So, uh, you know, this is what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for us to uh, welcome uh, your speaker for today, my friend and an honorable man, Pastor Larry Stockstill. Can you do that? Give it up for him. Amen. All right. Thank you. You guys may be seated after an, after an introduction like that. I can actually hardly wait to hear myself. Too. Come on. <laughs> so really, really great to be with you guys and uh, love the music. Let's give the worship team a great hand clap. They did amazing. I don't know what I did to this thing, but I cut it off. Hey, uh, just greetings from my wife, Melanie, and uh, she wanted me to tell you guys how much she loves you. And uh, we're grandma and grandpa on right now. You know, we've got uh, eight grandchildren. Somebody help me out now. And uh, also I've got two in the oven, so that means I've got 10 all together coming. Very excited about that. And uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord knows what he's doing. In fact, I had three grandchildren until uh, last March, and then I had four grandsons born last year. The four horsemen arrived last year. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. So things are really going great in Baton Rouge. I love you. Very, very thankful for what you've done with Surge. I'm excited tonight to give you some reports of what's going on around the world. And we're all worried about Islam. And I'll give you this one little thought in, in Egypt. Uh, there were one million Christians before ISIS. Since ISIS, there are four million Christians now in Egypt. So I'm going to tell you a lot about what I've heard around the world and what's going on around the world. But uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking to you about marriage. And I was just thinking, Mike Ware and I travel together a lot. And Mike told me his top two uh, lessons for marriage. Number one is never argue with a tired woman. Okay, you agree with that, guys? Number two is never argue with a rested woman. Come on now. All right, ladies, you didn't like that too much. But anyway, I usually speak to men. You know, I, and I'm right over the border from Louisiana. And how many of you have heard of Boudreaux and Thibodeau? Any of you? Oh, come on now. I mean, you got to heard of Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Well, Boudreaux had some marriage problems. And so he and, and Clotilde went to this marriage counselor and... Uh, you know, for the whole hour, Boudreaux never said one word. And Clotilde just did all the talking, and the guy kept waiting for Boudreaux to say something. He never said anything, you know. So the guy thought he'd be so passive. I mean, I got to get him stirred up. So he grabbed Clotilde, pulled her up off the couch, planted this passionate kiss on Clotilde, stoked her back down on the couch, and he said to Boudreaux, he said, that is what she needs every day of the week. And Boudreaux looked at the doctor and said, well, doc, if that's what you think, he said, but I work, man. I can't only get her here but Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> so one last thing I'll mention to you. Melanie and I were married uh, 40 years uh, last May, just about two months ago. Come on now. Yeah. 40 is the number of testing, so we made it through, you know, 40 years. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this guy that was married 50 years. And uh, a group brought him in to do this special, you know, presentation about marriage and how he particularly had made it 50 years. And he stood up and he said, well, the, the first thing that I did was I brought my wife uh, to Italy for our honeymoon. 
boy, everybody, you know, they wrote that first thing down. That must be the secret of why he did it. He said, and the second thing I did after 50 years of marriage, I went back to Italy and picked her up again. (laughs) These are getting worse as I go along. So I better get started, right? Okay, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you for the anointing of the Spirit of God upon us. And Lord, in this service, you're going to touch people. You're going to bless people. You're going to minister to people. And Father, we just give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to give you this morning, guys, seven things I've learned in 40 years. Now, you know, I could tell you a lot of things, but I sort of boiled them all down. So this would be a great time for you to write a few things down, you know, on your iPad or whatever. Don't play Pokemon while I'm talking to you. (laughs) But, uh, okay, here's the first one that I want to give you. Never doubt God's wisdom in putting the two of you together. I'm talking about 40 years. Here's just a few lessons that I can boil it all down to. Because it gets tough. You know, when Melanie and I got married, two weeks later, we left for Africa as missionaries. And we had no running water, no electricity. A lot of those 18 months, we ended up staying in Africa. So it got tough. Melanie almost died eight weeks after we were married with malaria there in Africa. So, you know, and we've been through so many things through the years with our kids, with the church, with ourselves. But but one thing we've never doubted in 40 years is that God put us together. It's like Billy Graham's uh, daughter. They ask her, how have you stayed together these 40 years? She says, well, we've never talked about divorce ever in 40 years. Mur- murder, yes, but never divorce. <laughs> so it is not going to go well in Smallville for the whole lifetime. I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm letting you know that you're going to make some mistakes. In fact, some of you had a marriage bust up and, you know, you've been married a couple of times and this and that has happened. And one thing I learned about life is that you cannot unscramble eggs. You know that, right? You can't go back. You can't. The Bible says, remember not the former things. So I I know that life happens. I I realize that. But even today, you know, my guy that picked me up, his his GPS brought him an exit away from where I was and into some field out somewhere. You know, so, and, and here's the thing about GPS. If you get wrong, but you have the right destination put into the GPS, you may drive two miles out of the way. You may make three exits wrong, but it will always reroute you to the place that you're supposed to be. Isn't that right? And that's the thing about the Lord is that the Lord, we're going to make mistakes, but thank God when you make a wrong toying in Albuquerque, as I like to say, you're always going to make it to the end. So that's why you never doubt that God in his wisdom puts you together, that this person is exactly the person that you need. You know, I'm a, I'm a certain type personality. Melanie is the exact opposite personality, which let me understand that God knows exactly who I needed. And you look in the Bible, you see the story of Isaac and Rebecca. You know, Abraham wanted to get a bride for Isaac. And by the way, he was about 60 years old. About time that dear brother got married. You agree? <laughs> So he sends Eliezer uh, back to the homeland, which was a thousand miles across the desert. Took several months to get there, I'm sure. 
He gets there and he says, God, how am I going to know? I mean, how am I going to know there's, there's no Instagram? I have no pictures of this guy. But, and, 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 and then he comes up with this idea. The Lord showed him the first girl that asks you, can he, she water your camels is going to be the perfect one for Isaac. So he says, Lord, please. And out walks Rebecca. She says, hi, sir. How are you? Uh, would you like for me to water your camels? And he's looking at her, and the Bible says he put a ring in her nose. Now, in those days, that meant, hey, you're the one, baby. You, you're it. I don't recommend that, by the way, guys. For... So she goes running back, brings her family, and lo and behold, it's from Abraham's family. And he thinks, wow, this is unbelievable. This is supernatural. It really was. And he goes back. She gets on a camel. She rides 1,000 miles back. And you know the rest of the story. So you got Abraham, Isaac, and Isaac married Rebekah. That all happened supernaturally. Now think about how the Holy Spirit engineered the two of you together. In fact, Melanie told me yesterday her dad almost took a church in Pensacola instead of Baton Rouge. They were in Picayune, the hub of the universe. Help me now. <laughs> they, instead of going to Pensacola... They moved to Baton Rouge. He took a church a mile from ours, a Baptist church, and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, came on our staff, and voila, the rest is history. But that's just God, you know, so never doubt God's wisdom in putting you together. Number two, marriage is the school of character. Now, this is important because character is something formed by friction. It is. It always takes change to, to produce character. Well, did, did you know that God had that in mind when you got married, that your character is not perfect? And this individual is going to come into your life to compliment you, and, and, and they're going to be able to point out the, the obvious problems in your character, in your life, that everybody else can see except you. Now, I want you to look at me right now. You see something about me that's wrong, right? I mean, you're looking at, bless his heart, he doesn't know that his collar's turned up. If Pastor Van came up on the stage behind me, surprised me, and I turned around, and he says, I need to adjust you. He'd do my collar like this. I hope he'd do it like this. And, 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 and so now my collar is right, okay? But I could get all offended at him. I could get defensive. Wait, 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 what are you doing? I, because I can't see it. That's your spouse. They see everything about you. They know everything about you. And so when they try to adjust you, remember this, they're not attacking you. There's a big difference in being attacked and being adjusted. Huge difference. And because they love you so much, they need to tell you that your breath can kickstart a 747 <laughs> aircraft. They, I mean, they've got to get that out. And I, and, and I was looking on this video, and you know, the lady was talking to him about watching too much football, and I noticed the first two words that came out of his mouth. We know that was staged because he said, what were the first two words he said? Thank you. You know that ain't real, right there. You know, when a man is corrected by his wife about something that's wrong, and he says, thank you. In fact, guys, I want you to just try it. I know it's very difficult to get those words out, but turn to your spouse and just say those words. Say, thank you. Ain't none of you doing it. I, I, I'm looking around. 
So it's not easy, but that's a mentality to remember, guys. She loves you, and when she sees something about the character of the great one that needs changing, you need to look at it. I remember I used to leave the shower light on all the time, and I never thought about it. Melanie would turn it off hundreds of times, hundreds of times. Finally, she said, Larry, would you mind when you get out of the shower just turning the light off? I mean, she thought about it. She got her courage up. Now, what I could have said is, uh, you know, I do pay the utility bills here. I mean, if I want to leave the shower light on, I will leave the shower light on. But see, there's a defensiveness. I want to talk to you guys just for a moment about hard-headedness. Because you're looking at a hard head right here. And so if you're defensive about your character and you're hard-headed about it, you're missing the whole point of marriage. She's going to help you with things that everybody else can see but you. And so she makes you better. He makes you better when you listen. Jesus said Moses permitted you to divorce because of the hardness of heart. And a hard head is right next to a hard heart. So just make up your mind, okay? I'm going to do things wrong because I'm human and they're going to see it, and they're going to talk to me about it. And what are the first two words I'm going to say to them when they talk to me about it? Come on, help me out. Thank you. Thank you. In arts and crafts and all the stuff we saw in the video. <laughs> Number three, I'm just giving you a few lessons. Third thing is that sex is the mirror of your relationship. Now, I said that word, and the last guy on the back row just woke up. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to talk about, you know, all intimacies of sex now, because what I say is that it's the mirror. It's the mirror of your relationship. Now, here's what I mean by that, is that really the sexual intimacy part is the last domino in a whole line of dominoes. You've seen how they do that. They push the first one, and the last one is ultimately going to fall. Now, you can go to sex therapy. That's cool. There's no problem with that. I'm sure that will be helpful to you. But I can tell you, of course, that honor is the secret of all relationships. That when a man honors his wife and a wife honors her husband, that's everything. But intimacy starts with that first domino where you listen to each other. Now, now men, let me just let you in on a little secret. Women need to say 25,000 words a day. And men only need to say 10,000 words a day. That's, that's, just, that's what psychologists tell us. So if a man goes to work, and a lot of times this is not the case in our modern family, but let's say the man goes to work and, and he uses up 22,000 of his words. So he, he comes back home and, and actually uses 10,000 of his words. He comes back home. His wife has only used up 3,000 of her words by saying stop, eat, uh, sleep, no. And so she's got 22,000 of her words left. He's used up all of his words. So he just wants to go to the couch and, and turn on the TV and open the newspaper and open his computer and all. But she comes and sits down next to him and says, hi. Now, that's what our lady was saying on the video today. All you do is you're watching football because he's used up all his words. So, so she's, she's got 22,000 words and nobody in sight to say them to but you. And so she wants to walk. She wants to talk. She wants to fellowship. And, 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 and you know, 
You're just kind of standing there. So here, here, here's the deal. Men are motivated by the eye gate. Remember that, ladies. That, that, you know, that's why you don't go to bed looking like an astronaut. That's very important. <laughs> Women are motivated by the ear gate. It's what they hear you say. So that's critical, guys, that you realize that you've got to speak, you've got to talk, you've got to walk, you've got to exchange interaction and, and fellowship. And that, that, that's, that's very, very important. Okay, here we go. Number four. Three months of savings is the best financial plan. At, until I understood that principle, we tried various things financially, but none of them really made a difference until Dave Ramsey taught me years ago that if I could put three months of my salary in the bank, that security would hit my family, and it really did because you got an air conditioner that breaks, you got four tires that need to be fixed. In fact, a couple was just telling me that everything was going great in their life until they needed four tires. They had no money. And I mean, 50% of marriage problems are about finances, 50%. So it's not a small thing. And you say, well, I can't ever get three months of my salary in the bank. It's gonna take you some time. And you may have to sell some old junk that you hadn't used for years, but you put it in one account that cannot be touched except by both of you. Not, neither one can spend that money. That's your emergency money. Brother Osteen taught me years ago that you can live off the top of the barrel or you can live off the bottom of the barrel. Most of you, your barrel may be empty. So if you fill that barrel with three months of savings, well, when you have those tires, that you, you say, write the check. You talk about a blessing when you say, write the check. And that check covers that, and now you've got a little space in the top of your barrel, and you instantly turn your faith loose and fill that barrel again. So you can live off the top of the barrel, or you can live off the bottom. So three months of savings is the best financial plan. Here's number five. A wife wants a husband to be strong for her. Okay, now ladies, you're gonna like this point. I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm, man, I'm gonna get to her in just a moment. Why did that woman marry you in the first place? Was she attracted to you? I mean, your face and your physique and your all that. Well, now I'm gonna tell you that she's not, that not necessarily. I mean, maybe she did, but I discovered that a woman is really looking for security. Now, that doesn't mean that women are insecure at all, but if you go back to the Garden of Eden, you'll notice that when Eve sinned, the curse came on her, and God said to her, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. They were co-regents of the Garden of Eden, and then she, he said, now your husband is going to rule over you, and that's a part of the curse. I hate to tell you that, ladies, but that, that, that's really what it is. That's why he put a head in your life. So he must know that there's been a reprogramming of a woman so that she feels vulnerable. Now, women are very secure. They can lead corporations, companies, all of that. But yet at the same time, when things go bump in the night and she leans over to her husband and she says, I just heard something in the house. He looks at her and says, yeah, go check it out. <laughs> Is that the way it happens? 
No, he pulls his drawer open, gets his pistol out. Like Barney Fife, he goes walking through the house. He starts turning on lights, gets to the kitchen, sees some dishes in the sink. And he, that's what it was. He goes in there and he says, it's all right, baby. No problem. Everything's fine. When he gets back into bed, she grabs him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because a woman really is longing for the strength and the security of the man. I mean, here's the, here's the point. That's why some of the most beautiful women in the world have married some of the ugliest men I've ever seen. And looking around this room, I can see that pattern replicated. It's not your biceps, it's not your handsomeness, dear brother. What it is, is she felt secure in you. Now look at the Bible story of Ruth. Ruth was a widow. Her, her, her mother-in-law, Naomi, said, there's a guy named Boaz. You're related to him distantly. In those days, he had to marry her. They were a distant relative, a redeemer. Says he's at his threshing floor tonight, and you need to put on your nicest gown. You need to spray on some canal number five, you know. <laughs> You'll get that tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> you go lay at his feet in the middle of the night, so, Okay. Now, I do not recommend this, by the way, ladies, for a way to get a husband. It's not a great idea. But he wakes up in the night. She uncovered his feet. He wakes up to cover his feet. He sees this woman laying there in the dark, in his threshing floor. And he said to her, who are you? She said, I am Ruth, your handmaiden. Cover me. Just two words. Cover me. And in those words, what she was saying is, I'm okay, I mean, I'm making it, but I would love to have someone stand between me and the trials of life and the difficulties of life, finances and all of the housing, everything. If you could just stand between me and that, I would love it. Well, they ended up getting married, and if you know the scripture, David was their grandchild. Isn't that unbelievable? King David. So it came from this covering. And by the way, Boaz went down that next day and said, I want Ruth. And, you know, took his shoe off and the whole way they did the thing and married her. Now, what that's telling me is that my wife is looking for me to be strong for her. And practically speaking, when someone comes to the door mad about something one of what my kids did, I go to the door. When the school calls and ask, you know, what's going on with your kid? I got him here in the office. I go to the school. If I'm at church even, and I look across the building and somebody's shaking their finger at my wife, I leave where I am and I go over and I stand between my wife and the person with a big smile on my face, but inwardly I'm saying, do you have a problem or are you looking for a problem? That, that's really what I'm saying. And I tell this story about Rio de Janeiro, which is the Olympics. Now, one of my surge team, Philip Murdoch, uh, heard a noise in the kitchen one morning, early in the middle of the night, went down there, and two robbers were in there with guns. They said, you've got $50,000. We want you to go get that money. We've been tracking you. We know it's in your room. He said, I don't have any money. And so, you know, finally they, they had the guns. They said, well, we're going to kill all of you and go find it ourselves. Then his wife happened to come down the stairs. She didn't know that they were there, Renee. And they pointed the gun at her and said, if you don't go get the money, we're going to rape your wife right now. Philip stepped between the gun and his wife. 
and said, if you touch my wife, one of us is going to die right here and right now. And he saw the gun start wobbling. The guy backed up, grabbed a laptop computer, and left. And his last words was, if you call the police, we're going to come back and kill you. He said, that's exactly where I'm going when you leave. Well, you know, they'd never come back five years later. But you should hear Renee tell the story. That's my point. She says, Philip is my hero. (laughs) And you know what? He is. He is her hero. He has stepped into that role. And yet we got this passive male thing going on where we come home and we, we got headphones and you know we're just couching out, couch potato. The, the wife is looking for strength. In fact, if he asks you to go out to eat, ladies, and then you come, he comes home and you get in the car, what is the thing your husband always says to you when, when he cranks the car? What does he say? Where do you want to go? Men don't do that anymore. She is saying to you, you ask me out. You pick the choice. So I'm, I'm telling you, number five, a wife wants a husband to be strong for her. Come on, ladies, say amen right there. Amen. Now let's get to the ladies, because in 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, there's seven verses uh, that Peter, you know, Peter was married, by the way. You know that. And he had, or otherwise he wouldn't have a mother-in-law that was sick that Jesus healed. So he, he definitely was married. So you got 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. The seventh verse is to the husband. And that was a verse just up on the screen. Husbands, love your wives as the weaker vessel and so forth. Now we notice the first six verses are to the wife. So one verse to the men, six verses to the lady. I'm not, I'm not going to chase that rabbit any further. <laughs> But you ladies see that Peter said, even if your husband is not saved, you must honor him. Now, I've been preaching a lot on honor. Honor is when I look past a person to the position they occupy. That would be with parents, that would be with policemen, that would be with a pastor, that would be with anything. So, so that's what honor is. It's, it's, it's when I look past the person. So uh, this, fit, this sixth thing I want you to give is that a husband wants to be respected. Your husband wants to be respected. Those six verses are telling a lady, in fact, it even says that Abraham's wife called him Lord. Now, I'm not saying to you wives that you need to call your husband Lord, please. Don't, don't, don't think that. But it's a, it's a spirit. Now, ladies, you ask your husband to put out the garbage. He said, cool, I'll do that, no problem. She says, you said, I'm going to the grocery store. Well, when you get back, the truck is just passing your house. There's no can on the street. So that, that upsets you right there. He did not put the garbage out. You pull in with all your groceries, you open the door, and you start calling his name. He never comes to help. You unload all the groceries, and now you're on a hunt in the house for a dear brother that he's absent. Where is the guy? Now you see him in the living room, sound asleep on the couch. He has a remote control in his hand. His mouth is wide open. His belly's hanging down, touching the floor. (laughs) And the thought comes in your mind, doesn't it, ladies? Look at what I married. (laughs) But you know what, ladies? We are going to make hundreds of more mistakes as husbands in our lives. We are. That does not alter the fact that we are to be honored. In a survey, 
70% of men said they would rather be respected than loved. They would rather live alone than be disrespected. Now, I don't know what the other 30% of guys were thinking, really, because I've not ever met a man who enjoys being dishonored and disrespected, but he makes all these mistakes. But remember what honor is. It's looking past the person to the position that God has put them in. He's your head. Now, today, I really came to this church intending to do what I'm about to do. I want to honor two people that have been in this church for 27 years. They came here with 34 people. Now there's a couple of thousand of them. If three campuses all paid for it, debt free. All three of their children were on the stage here today leading. They've raised their family. They've lived lives of example and purity before you. And I want to give, the Bible says give double honor to those who rule well. I want to do that to Van and Jan Decody. Would you help me to give double honor to them this morning? I love you, man of God. Come on, let's give them double honor. You may be seated. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? See, all we did is show honor. And by the way, I teach that you should show honor to all people. That would change our whole nation. If every person that you met, regardless of race, color, creed, tradition, denomination, every one of them you showed honor and respect. Can I have an amen? amen. And then the last thing, this is, this is important, is that you have to work to stay connected. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about this last one because a lot of you think that once you're married, you know, it's the hardest the first few months or years, and then by hey, 40 years like I am, it's a piece of cake. I mean, it's nothing to it and blah, blah, blah. That is not, that is not the case. There's certain years where they say that divorce happens the most. It's the third year, the seventh year, 12th year, 19th year, 35th year is what I've read. 35th year, really? That somebody could be married 35 years and go their separate ways. Oh, it's happening all the time. And what they didn't know, what nobody told them, is that the, the honeymoon part is the really the easy part. Honeymoon... I mean, you're about six inches from each other, your face at, when you're eating, and you walk together, you talk together, you, you text every few minutes, you're just, oh my goodness, that honeymoon face, but when you have a few kids, and the work sets in, and grass to mow, and, and, and in-laws, outlaws, all kind of stuff start happening. <laughs> well, three years, some people, well now it's three months. A lot of them are just divorced, but three years is like, dude, I, I, you know, like point number one, I made a mistake. I married the wrong person, blah, blah, blah. Or it, 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 it can go on. So here's the, here's the last point. You're going to have to work to stay connected. And Melanie and I, you know, I could go all into my faults. If you get the model man book, guys, and I'm not selling books, but if you get it, it'll help you understand a lot about how to be a model man for your wife and all that. But dude, it's about routine. It all comes down to routine. Melanie and I have breakfast together every morning. She loves cereal. I love a hot breakfast. 
You know, I love it. You, you want me to come to your house just to cook a hot breakfast? I'm there. I love it. But Melanie told me she loves cereal, so she said, if you want a hot breakfast, you need to set your cornflakes on fire. Is what you <laughs> but I do it anyway. And then we take our walk, and we come back, and we sit in the same two chairs, read our Bible, and we've been doing this for years. Intimacy has levels, and facts about the weather and work is not connection or even opinions that you got to get to dreams and visions and fears and failures. And Matthew Kelly gives you the seven levels of intimacy. Well, it's, it, it, it's work. I mean, you're going to really have to work at it and you're going to have to reinvent yourselves as you have kids. And my last child just left home in April. He got married. He cleared the treetops, praise God, six kids, all married to godly, beautiful people, families. I give God the glory, but we're reinventing ourselves right now. We're reinventing our relationship. We've been married 40 years. Van's been married 44 years. My daddy was married 63 years. Mama had Alzheimer's the last couple of years and they had to reinvent themselves. I mean, I remember two weeks before she died, he was sitting on the love seat kissing on her. I mean, it, 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 it ain't no joke. Get your neck broke, brother. This thing is, it, 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 right? Do we have anybody in here been married 50 years? Anybody? Hey, 40, 40, 45, 45. We got Van, Van Huda, brother, you've been married longer than anybody here. Come on, give him another hand clap. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I, my last point is, you, 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 hey, you're going to have to work to stay connected. Now, in summary, number one, never doubt God's wisdom putting you together. Number two, marriage is a school of character. Number three, sex is just a mirror of your relationship. Number four, always try to have three months of salary in the bank. Number five, a woman needs you, sir, to be strong, to lead. And don't worry about it. You lead. She'll follow. Number six, a, a husband needs you to respect him, lady. That, that, that's what he needs more than anything in the whole wide world is respect. And then number seven, you're going to have to work to stay connected. I want you to close your eyes with me right now. Thank the Lord for these seven things I was able to give to you, but really, Right now, the Holy Spirit is in this room starting this new marriage series on real life, real family, real marriage. You got to get real with God. Maybe in your heart of hearts, there's sin. And you know, that's what's causing your relational problems. Because nobody can stay married really without Jesus in the center. I don't know how they do it. Because there's no forgiveness, there's, there's, there's no trust, there's no loyalty. If you're here and you would say in one of these seven areas, I have realized, I've looked in the mirror and I've realized I'm not right with God. That's my basic problem. And you came to Northwood this morning and the Lord drew you here. He loves you. He died on the cross in your place. He doesn't condemn you. He loves you. Now I'm going to look around this room. And if you would like to be included in a simple prayer of just admitting your failures as a person toward God and toward people, and then receiving life, a change, 
a new direction for you. I would love to pray a prayer with you about that. Now, if you'd like to be included in that prayer, listen to me, without hesitation, here's what I want you to do. I want you to slip up your hand toward God. Nobody else is looking. Just hold it up there and say, include me there, 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 there. I see hands really all over the room here right now. Okay, you can put those hands down. I wonder if everybody could join me in this simple prayer. Pastor Van will come in a minute and tell you what to do after you pray. But pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, today I come to you being real. I've got sin in my heart. I need forgiveness. I come to the cross in my mind. I see Jesus dying for me. And I ask you to let his blood cover my past and all my mistakes. And Lord, heal me as a person. Write my name in the book of life. Heal my family. Heal my children. Heal my future. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on now, let's give the Lord praise for that. Amen. God bless you guys. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.